Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this is The Mandalorian Report, episode 12. I think my count sometimes changes, but I'm Ken Napsok. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the count is mysterious. That's just the, the way of things when you're counting different episode numbers of shows and different episode numbers of podcasts. But this episode, we are going to be talking about Disney Gallery, colon, The Mandalorian, colon, technology. Oh, yeah. And this episode is being released on May 25th, which is a, a, a day and date of, of many meanings. Memorial Day. Thank you to all those that have served and continue to serve. Tal Day for my fellow Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide Galaxy fans. Uh, rest in peace, Douglas Adams. And Joseph, the anniversary of the release of Solo. That is right. It's the anniversary of the release of Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, and Solo. But the reason that we bring up Solo in particular is our friends over at the Resistance Broadcast have made a point of, of having this day be a celebration of Solo and a desire for more with the hashtag Make Solo 2 Happen. And also the uh, idea that that isn't just, hey, of course, you should make another uh, large budget Solo movie released in theaters, but just the pushing for or fans letting uh, the powers that be know we really like those characters, those ideas. We would love to see more of Enfys Nest, more of Kira versus Maul, more of all those great storylines and story threads that get uh, got started in Solo since 
since it's that day, I thought that we should shout out that we agree. We want more of those characters, right? Absolutely. Come on. Give me more emphasis than this. You, like, you met Kira versus Maul. Kira, just give me more Kira. Uh, I'll take a backstory with some Val and uh, Beckett adventures. I'll, I'll take whatever you need coming out of this. And, and of course, Han, young, younger Lando, love it all. We're big fans of the movie here. And yeah, we uh, are with you all too. Make Solo 2 happen is a nice sentiment, whether those kind of things work or not. Sometimes they do, uh, as we've seen recently, but that's <laughs> Different, different discussion, and sometimes, like Joseph said, it's just kind of paying homage to our love of uh, this property and the characters that were put forth in that story. So uh, we are here for that as well. Happy anniversary, Solo. Yeah. So, yeah. With uh, that said, we are going to dive into, uh, like uh, Joseph says, Disney Gallery, Star Wars, uh, colon the Mandalorian, the technology slash dinner with fives of. Uh, <laughs> Or five of John Fever's friends. Another great episode. Uh, Joseph, this is kind of the one that we were waiting for in a way. I mean, there's a lot of we're still waiting for the Werner Herzog only episode. <laughs> there might be an episode just about the child. We'll see. We don't know. But this is the one that finally took that that big dive into the secrets of the volume. And I will admit up top, I got a little lost in this episode. And I love it because I'm not super smart when it comes to tech terms. And I started to study becoming a director. I did a, a, about a year or so of uh, pre-film school kind of classes and realized, nah, directing's more than just standing on a set and pointing uh, uh, with an actor for a, a promotional photo. You also have to be good at wearing a ball cap, which you are. I have a good way at ball cap and a beanie, right? Yeah, uh, all those things. Uh, and that's where I just was like, I don't have the mind for it. My dad does. I didn't get that part of his brain. So this episode made me feel wonderfully lost, if that makes any sense. How did this episode uh, hit with you just in that overall kind of vibe? Yeah, it was really exciting because I like the I like the tech side of Star Wars. We're going to talk a lot about all of the legacy of that. And as it started, I was like, ooh, this is intriguing. But is this going to be more about the tech and less about uh, the narrative? And like because of my background, all, all the actors talking about the way they approach their scenes and that was great. But I was really uh, intrigued by this episode because the technology is amazing. It has that tie to the history of Star Wars. And to see the actual people sitting and talking about how it affected them emotionally and how it affected their storytelling got to that deeper layer. So it wasn't just, uh, you know, the dry sort of like, here's exactly how many pixels are in each panel, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, and, you know, we uh, we always watch, I, at least I do watch first and uh, then we go, I'll do a second pass or a third pass of the episode to do the notes and I know you kind of watch the same way. You just want to take it in as a fan first, Joseph. Um, I first time around, I was like, man, I don't, how are we going to break this down? Because there is a lot of tech stuff, a, well, a lot of wonderful tech stuff. How does that translate to the spirit of Star Wars? And we're going to get into some discussion uh, points later, later because second view, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's all there. This is all part of the tapestry of Star Wars. And uh, that, that made me uh, just excited for this episode. Let's start here, though. Uh, can we go back in time a little bit? We had heard about this, Joseph. We had we we heard about this thing called the volume, and we heard. I, I remember hearing a, a clip of Bill Burr describing being on the set for Episode Six, and just kind of. I thought I had an understanding of it. Uh, even going back and talking about Solo, I love some of the way they did some of the the shots in the Falcon co cockpit, and kind of you get Alden's real real reaction to it. I'm like, all right, I, I get it. I think I understand. Um, what were your thoughts of the volume going into this episode based on what you had uh, heard, read, and occasionally seen in the past? So before we learned more, where what was your point of view on the volume? Yeah, my journey with the volume was, I think I first heard Giancarlo Esposito talking about it in an interview before we'd seen anything of The Mandalorian, and I was a little concerned. I was a little concerned that it would look like oh, everything is very flat because the background is just projected. Uh, and then when I saw the actual show, I was like, wow, I can tell that something's kind of different. But honestly, I can't tell which, like some of the scenes are like, they went to a desert. Come on, they're, that, that sunset's real. That's a desert, right? So once I saw the actual show, uh, I, I started concerned. Then I was relieved when I saw the actual uh, show. And then as I started to hear more about it after I'd actually seen it, I was really uh, intrigued. And now when I watched this episode of the Disney gallery, 
I was just excited. I'm excited about what all can be done with this technology. So it's been a really a good journey for me from uh, concerned to excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm about the same. And some of the stuff, even during the reviewing the show, uh, when it was when it was uh, in its run, like I, I was a little grumpy on some of the stuff. We'll, t- we'll talk about that. But as I learned in this episode and learned even some of the earlier uh, Disney Gallery episodes, I was like, oh, yeah, they got me. They got me. So maybe, Ken, you better shut up because uh, it's it's more advanced than you thought. And this is why you're not making the show and Favreau is. Um, <laughs> so I, I uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, too. Um, and, and, and excited because it's only going to get better. Uh, even going back to Jar Jar in episode one, and then he jumped to uh, circus and Gollum and, and Lord of the Rings, it has to start somewhere. And this is where it's starting. And that just means it's going to get better. And that, that does make me excited, uh, about this technology. Yeah. So that's what we thought about the volume. And then we learned a lot about <laughs> the volume there. Let's start here where the episode starts, uh, with Favreau kind of giving this little uh, preamble, this little prologue to everything. Uh, and, uh, Star Wars, and groundbreaking technology for for making these films and shows it, it does go hand in hand we talked about it a lot about the accomplishments of George and Lucasfilm and all the companies that sprung from that and Favreau began talking this episode about the journey he and his filmmaking teams have taken to get to this point which i thought was pretty impressive even though you're you're aware of it already uh you know i'm a Favreau fan i like swingers i i even own made on dvd and <laughs> i you know i sometimes maybe overlook the fact that no this guy's this guy's you know i'm not gonna say he's a lucas like genius or anything i don't think john would say that about himself either but joseph let's just start here before you even get in the main question like he he's he's all about kind of finding new ways to make things and i like that yeah, no, I, the way he talks about film throughout this whole thing, he is clearly such a fan and a student and a historian of film on every level, it seems like, from character tropes to uh, genre ideas to, you know, talking about how different uh, actors were cast because they were physically able to actually be cowboys back in the day. And then you get to this episode and he's like, oh, he is he is really a fan and a historian of every element of film including the progression of technological advancement you know and it's fascinating to see somebody who's like this is my whole thing i want to be involved in every part of film from being an actor to being an innovator of technology i'm a student of it and then i want to also uh cast myself uh, uh, in the forward moving history of film as well he just he just doesn't know Empire Strikes Back beat for beat, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so what do you feel about John's kind of desire to help create technological advancements and be a part of that, like you just said, part of the legacy of, of, of making things a little better, a little different? And, and what do you think about that being married to the storytelling of Star Wars? Because that does go hand in hand, and he's now in the center of it. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of uh, this great, perfect marriage. There's so much about star wars the power of it uh that can be captured by luke staring off at those twin sons right of you know thinking that you have a larger destiny but also there's just this sort of dreaming of like there's more out there i want to go see it and you combine that sort of i want to take my first steps in the larger galaxy the larger world with this technological side of you can be sitting around in your college dorm or your coffee shop and you can dream strange exotic worlds with weird aliens and strange dripping alive plants and all that. And like, but I can dream that, but can I make that a reality? And that's where the suddenly like the fussy technological side of it suddenly marries with the romantic dreamer side of it. And that's what I really liked about this episode is that I got that sense of, I'm not just excited about this because like, hey, I made a breakthrough and I got a patent or anything sort of um, more mercenary like that. It's about, hey, if I dream something, I can throw it up on the wall and it can be real and I can not just stare at the twin sunsets. I can launch into space and have an adventure. Yeah, yeah. I, You know what? You're, you're, you're talking and I'm going to obviously George, but George in the 90s, special edition George maligned as they might be still in some circles. I, and I get the bigger argument of, you know, you change in art and what does that mean? I understand all that, but I still go to George going, I dreamed this 
back then and I couldn't do it, I'm going to try to do it now and expand the story in the way I want to with the technology. Uh, I, I know there's there's a connective spirit there. And I want to I actually jump ahead in our notes and come back to another question. But uh, there was a point visual effects supervisor Richard Bluff mentioned trying to uh, make what John quote would like to try to do on uh, try and do on the show, uh, trying to make that happen. Well, John talked about the think tank of minds he brought together uh, and they brought together tasks with making it a reality. And you just kind of touched upon it a little bit, but uh, what part of the of the lessons and spirit of Star Wars does that connect to for us? Because a little bit what you're saying, it is that wonder. I, I was I was blown away. I was like, oh, that that's that's Star Wars. Yeah, I think there's a part of it that there's this very human quality, not deifying uh, at all, but a very human quality to Lucas, where particularly in the later stages of his uh, career, and I guess by later stage of his his career, I mean everything after the original trilogy, that yeah. he that he sees himself as the mentor whose job it is to push people forward. I think of those behind the scenes for Phantom Menace when he's got the storyboards and he's like highlighting everything yes. that's a visual effect shot and then it's almost like it, it, that was like an early draft of the office where you cut back to all of the people who actually have to make it happen and they're just like damn it how the hell like i mean jim could do a take to the camera right there and it would fit in for the like the emotion of uh that and and it's it's the mentor pushing the students to go you can i know this is a challenge but i believe in you you can do it and to me that connects to uh all of yoda's teachings in dagobah but really like always with you it cannot be done or you know unlearn what you have learned just the spirit of hey there's probably a way to do this that you haven't thought of but you will if you don't just say this is impossible that you can find it um mm. also mm. makes me think of luke on crate uh just because that is a creative solution to a problem and then it's yeah. also very similar to actual uh, special effects of like, <laughs> yeah. that's an amazing special effect. He's not actually there. It's a creative solution to a problem and it's amazing uh, force power special effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's VR Luke. Absolutely is. Uh, yeah. There's just some kind of, you're talking about do or do not. I mean, I was blown away. We're going to address it a little bit later here with some of the risks, but it's blown away. Just like this was something that just were like, well, we did this, we did that. Can we get some people? And they and they said several times. This, a lot of this is is technology that that exists, you know. Uh, and a lot of times, George and his guys and Dykstra and all those ones back in the day and early I, I, ILM and Van Eyes were like, "Well, we don't have it. Let's create it." Or let's. But this was like a, a lot of stuff existed. But let's put it all together. We we there's some people who've come close. And I thought, wow, this could all this all could not have worked. This could not have worked. And what kind of a uh, do or do not, uh, what kind of uh, be confident and go forward and, and kind of uh, uh, don't be afraid to let go of what you knew before and, 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 and choose a new path. To me, that just struck me as the heart of Star Wars a lot. Yeah, yeah. And if, if something didn't quite work, they would have figured out another way, mm -hmm. right? absolutely we we they would need to <laughs> yeah because they committed to it and i think that's a part of it is like once you yeah. set yourself off on that path you know uh, i sometimes describe just the creative process as throwing yourself off a cliff and it's joyful and fun at the beginning because you're, you're just falling and it's free and then well, once you've done that you have to figure out how you're going to land and i feel like yeah. that's the spirit of this of yep we're going to take a big swing and, and we will find a, a way to make it work find a way to make it work so hey uh this is kind of an overall thoughts kind of question going back to the top here but what were the big because we've asked this before on previous episodes and we've got little little nuggets of this but this is the one where it's all big uh what were the big behind the scenes revelations for us in this episode i think for me the technology wise i think i heard bits and pieces about video game you know engine like cool great makes sense the whole uh parallax thing of the camera and being able to talk to the wall and it shifting the actual image the way you do in a video game that was the like oh i didn't really get it until i saw it kind of thing yeah yeah we're gonna dive into that in a bit but i'm right there with you on that we're just believe it or not like kind of dumbed it down for me like oh you mean like when i ride my horse on red dead redemption <laughs> yeah oh, <I> it. <laughs> so that was there and also just on individual levels i, I, I mentioned it earlier but 
there's some scenes and, and I'll, I'll point to some of them throughout this episode of like, ah, that scene, I don't know. I didn't really like the way that looked. I got, I understood what it is. It probably will get better. But let me be grumpy about this scene. And then there was uh, the, they showed the clip of them in the volume for the uh, one-on-one scenes or, or with the stormtroopers around, but Mando and Warner Herzog. And I went, Oh, that was mostly f- the volume. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> they got me. They got me, and that was uh, similar to the one of seeing, you know, uh, uh, Gina Carano riding in the cart, uh, you know, uh, on the Bryce Dallas Howard episode, episode four. Like, oh, they weren't, oh, they weren't in a forest. I yeah. thought they went out to a forest. And there are some backlot stuff. We know that. We know that because the secret set shots and everything. We, we, we understand that, which, which is cool in its own way. But they got me. They got me. And I got to admit it. I got to admit I've been had in a good way. Yeah, yeah. And watching it, the other thing that struck me when they were talking about everything they could do in the volume is like, well, why do they have that back? Oh, that's that's where all the shooting and explosions. Okay. So that's the limit of the volume. They're probably not going to set off actual explosives (laughs) in the volume. Yeah, for now, until they make it even bigger. Like it's like it's uh, a Cinerama dome size. (laughs) Yeah, the volume with explosions. Let's get to the volume. This is, uh, you mentioned it, but this is what I uh, loved. I love, and I love Favreau mentioned it up top of, of, hey, when you see some of the old effects that don't work in, in, in movies, uh, even though at the time they kind of did, um, but over time, you see, I, it always comes down to, to lighting to me, and uh, that's for me as a real layman's point of view, and he kind of mentioned it there. So one of the big advantages, advantages of working in the volume is that everything can be captured in camera, which which is absolutely crazy, just some of the stuff they were seeing there. This helps create uh, what is lacking, as I said, in many older CGI, visual effects, green screen-based content, this parallax change you talked about, and I even wrote this down so I could even understand it better in my mind. This is the effect whereby, I love that term, whereby the position or direction of an object appears to differ when viewed from different positions. This is riding around in uh, uh, the, the wilderness on Red Dead Redemption 2 for me. So um, this was a great big technological thing. The lighting looks real. You, you, uh, uh, Baz Iodine uh, 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 is talking about, the cinematographer talking about how he could do, you know, it was all in camera and you could, you could light properly for that. Fancy tech st- talk aside, Joseph, what was your reaction to that as a storyteller, as someone you are a playwright? You 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 played around in live three D sets, <laughs> you know, like it's all real. It's t- you can touch it, you can feel it, and and what was your uh, reaction to that as a storyteller? Yeah, I just I had a really visceral reaction to when I go and see a stage, especially one that I haven't been to before, and particularly if it's a interesting stage, like something that has a thrust, but then there's a little staircase or maybe like a little uh, walkway or catwalk that it's exposed or like an aisle that extends into the audience in a weird way. And you immediately just get so enraptured with the idea of, ooh, let's play. I could use this space. And you don't even know what the story is or what you're going to do in that space, but you just start thinking, oh, wow, somebody could face the audience that way. And then somebody could be up on that like sort of position of power on the slightly raised part of the stage. And there is just a spirit of play. And that's what I was overwhelmed with this whole episode, watching all of the actors and the tech people talk about like, well, look, we just throw stuff up on, on the screen you know, we get the set pieces in and then we're ready to go. It's all now just about the words and the characters and the dynamic and the energy. And we're ready to play. Yeah. Like what would Filoni say? Like, yeah, 30 minutes. You got a new set going. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But the, yeah, the, the, the possibilities, I mean, it's really about the possibilities and that got me excited for what will uh, come even more down the line. Uh, you know, bigger stories, bigger set pieces bigger bigger scenes that's really exciting to me yeah absolutely and i think uh, the actors talk about it more and and so do all the creators but that uh sense of we can really just focus on the meat and potatoes of the scene because we're not as concerned about eyeline and green screen and agreeing on where things are and all that kind of thing yeah i mean it's a it's and i still love and there's some so some revelations later that that i definitely talk about but i still love Practical. I still love going out the location. I still love watching that Rise of Skywalker documentary and hearing 
you know, Abram say yeah, to, to John Boyega, oh, we're out here because the lighting is more real. That's why we're doing the speeder chase out here. Um, I love all that. I don't want any of that to change, but I'm, I'm more confident that more things can be done this way. And again, I won't know. <laughs> exactly. It's all about me and what I feel. No. <laughs> um, so I love that. Yeah. And just, uh, I thought about theater a lot. I thought about theater a lot. I, I am, uh, not as, as, uh, experienced and, and well-versed in it as you are, uh, sir, but like my old, my old theater days way back in the beginning, like it just, it is different and it is all this big technology just means you can have even more quiet, intimate scenes with great lines and characters dealing with each other one-on-one to me. Yeah, exactly. Go big to go small. One of the big keys to making the volume and this approach uh, to shooting, uh, make to making this approach to shooting work was a, a company taking the risk to make a project with it. Favreau said that, as he said, look, this is other people have come close. Other people have thought about things like this, but someone's got to say, let's do it. And he cited Kathleen Kennedy, ILM, of course, and Lucasfilm and said, Hey, look, they took that risk. I got This is, this is a leading question, Joseph. I'm leading, <laughs> leading the witness. How, how proud did that make you feel as a star Wars fan? It makes me feel very proud, I say, answering the leading question the way you expected. Um, <laughs> eh, I don't know, it kind of bumps me out. No, I, I think it is great. I, I do feel good about supporting this philosophy, um, supporting the the kind of corporation that uh, I think Lucasfilm is, that Kathleen Kennedy is trying to run, that mm-hmm. it represents ideas that mean a lot to me in the story of Star Wars, which is this cocktail of the old and new as we uh, often talk about it, that goes back to A New Hope, where on one hand, Lucas is like, how can I uh, reach back to the oldest, deepest myths that will just resonate with people because they feel true because they've heard that story before and it it relates to something deep and true about our cultural experience. Also, I want to make technology that you've never, ever seen before. And uh, see that tradition continue from the perspective of Lucasfilm saying... We have a tradition here. Our old, ancient thing to be respected is that we always try new things. <laughs> it's like mm. a great marriage of the old and new. And in a way, the production of the shows and the movies mirroring the morals of the shows and the movies. Yeah, well said. Yeah, the, the, it is, it's this, uh, you know, it is, it's what makes George so excited and that uh, carries on and i don't know i just was really i just was really proud seeing uh, kathleen kennedy at the at the table uh and and saying yeah you know based on all again a lot of stuff she's done before she's talking about some uh with indian in the cupboard with the movie they made just like going yeah yeah let's we're gonna do this and we're gonna base we're gonna base an entire streaming service on it <laughs> if this comes out of the gate and it doesn't work story-wise and also tech-wise a lot of things fall flat. And, and I just, I don't know. I had a moment of just like, yeah, this is part of the Star Wars story. And and they did it. And I enjoyed that. Enjoyed yeah. That. Could have been anyone else. Like Favre said, could have been anyone else. It took them to make that risk. So I enjoyed that a lot. Any thoughts on kind of the opening stuff here? Or uh, should we just go ahead and take a break, Joseph? Uh, let's take a break. Yes, a break is what we'll take. And on the other side, we're going to start talking uh, a little bit more about the actual things uh, we saw in the setups. Rick Famiglia coming in with some great uh, discussion points as well, because he always seems to do. And more. We are roaming around the volume here on The Mandalorian Report. See you on the other side. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to The Mandalorian Report here on the Force Center podcast feed. Thank you so much for joining us as we dive into the Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian Technology episode. Joseph, we are discussing some things. That, look, I, again, I get lost on this. My dad's an engineer. I, I didn't get that side. <laughs> he loves building things. He builds speakers. Oh, I, want, I need a better sounding speaker. I'm going to build my own speakers in my house. Like. I, I, I wish I had even just an ounce of that. It would help me in the streaming wars on Twitch. You know what I mean? But <laughs> so I, I definitely, I, I, uh, I react to just the emotions of things. And, 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 and this, I was really moved as we talked in the first part of just like, all right, this is like a, this is like a play. This is a, a really working set. So uh, this takes me to, to Rick Famiglia coming in here from a, I, 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 I finally learned how to spell his name because I, <laughs> Respectful to learn. Now I got to say it better. Famu Ima. Famu Ima? Famu Ima. Yeah, Rick. I'm one of his biggest fans now, if you can't tell. <laughs> uh, he comes in, in here and he discussed exactly kind of what was pulling me in. He kind of put words to what I was thinking and he did it a lot better than I could. He discussed that the core of this mind-blowing technology was a simple idea. These are fully realized sets and we already discussed it a little bit. But I, I gotta ask you: Did this change or embolden your opinion about shooting the show, about the volume compared to what we discussed at the beginning of the show? Does did this change your opinion about the shooting this way? Yeah, yeah, it makes me more excited to see even more in different kinds of experimentation in season two, because I liked what uh, Rick uh, Famuyiwa uh, was saying uh, <laughs> that he was coming from this perspective of okay, you did all of this fancy tech, you spent all this fancy money on pre-visualization, and then <laughs> imagining the conversation that he described of uh, John Favreau coming in going, no, 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 throw it out, experiment, play, do whatever. And yeah. seeing that break from, 
all right, I am going to go in and I'm going to do my directing job and I am going to get the absolute best performance I can get out of this person, but they have to stand exactly at this angle <laughs> because we've already done the pre-visualization. I cannot move the camera an inch. We're doing match moving, all this stuff. And that he's locked in that I'm in a, I'm in a tiny box in how much, how much creativity can I get out of the tiny box? And then to have the idea that the volume is actually up to a point, let's throw that out. You can change the angle. You can change where the person is standing and the background will just move with you. The amount of freedom that that gives you to go back to a more traditional way of filming. That's really exciting to think of all the other new directors coming in, you know, especially somebody like uh, Rodriguez, who's played with weird tech before Mm -hmm. for him to be hearing, I'm sure from other people, maybe he visited the set and going, how can I go crazy in the volume makes me excited for what we're going to see. Yeah, you touched on on one of the things that just pulled me in when 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 he was saying that because uh, you know my uneducated uh, view on this would be like oh man I bet you know a lot goes into it and yeah look uh, just shooting hitting your marks all those kind of basic things you know or have experienced or hear over time are all very true. There's a a, a tech side to even just acting and TV acting and opening up your face and all, all those kind of wonderful things, wonderful things that I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert on but are there. I got I get those but to hear <laughs> would just be like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Do what you want. In a roundabout sort of way, I was just like, that, that is where I'm now really excited about what's going on here. Yeah. That supersedes my preconceived notions and my negative thoughts on some of the setups, on some of them. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. We're back to the core, which to, to bring in some of the prequel stuff or even the Hobbit trilogy, which uh, Peter Jackson was trying some new things there too. And, and some of those misfires and there, there are in both properties, as much as we love those prequels. um, It it seems like um, this allows for a little bit more just humanity and, and, and therefore emotional connection to come through Um, again, much like a stage play. Keep going back to that. Uh, Yeah. So I, I, um, yeah, I just loved it. I was, I was moved by it in a weird way. Yeah, and I think that what was moving to me about it was not just the technical realities of, oh, we have a little bit more uh, elbow room, but the spirit of it that uh, that Favreau is coming in like your fun uncle <laughs> going, hey, no, 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 push that thing and see what happens. You know, like that yeah. he wants that spirit of exploration to not mm-hmm. just be about the, the the technology that allows it, but what does that mean for the story and the actors and the characters and the directors? We're going to come back to some of that traditional side um, being married to this technology, but uh, <laughs> I love this moment here. This, that My mind went in a different direction. They met, keep mentioning game engine technology, and it is... It, 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 uh, this is a side. This is a side note. This just popped in my head. I didn't realize this until I just said this, Joseph. They talked about game in, in technology, and that connects me. I keep making these jokes about Red Dead Redemption Two, but it connects me to oh, the video games I have in my hand or at home, or some of the VR stuff I've experienced, uh, like that that uh, the, the Void thing, doing the the, um, uh, the Star Wars experience over there. It connects to me reading as a kid that the speeder bike sequence was put together with toys that I had <laughs> and me back then seven, eight going, wait a minute, the power's in my hands too. Uh, not that I went on to become a great filmmaker, but it just kind of gave me that like back then, like, wow, this is, this is in my own galaxy. It's in my own hands and you can in, dream up something and make it happen to, so to connect you to just, yeah. Game engine technology has got to the point. So it's the same kind of thing. It kind of blew my mind. Um, but then Filoni mentioned, hey, it's like being in the Battle of Hoth. So I got to ask you, based on that, do you just want them to remake uh, Shadows of the Empire now? Uh, <laughs> a show where we can learn how to take down ad in that environment. Yeah, I would love that. I think that would be great for many fans of that era of Star Wars storytelling. Where my mind went when Filoni was talking about, imagine that you have the entire Battle of Hoth mapped out and you know everything that happens and in sequence and where, and then you can turn around and engage with it. There was the, that first level of like, oh, this isn't complicated at all. It's a video game. It's like, like you're saying with Red Dead Redemption. This t- technology you can understand really easily. Have you ever turned around in a video game? <laughs> yeah. Oh, then, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's like, it's like Bioshock where you look uh, to the left and stuff that's on the left mm. is there. Got it. Uh, but then when he was talking about Battle of Hoth, I was just like, all of the choices that would have to be made to make every beat of the Battle of Hoth absolutely canon. 
<laughs> in order to render that. Like, nope, that's exactly where that character is. That's exactly when this uh, obscure, that's when Tigran Jamiro gets shot, you know. <laughs> uh, I love that. I lo- and I also love it keeping, it's totally keeping within uh, what we've seen from the show where they're having this big, heavy discussion, King Kong, everything, and, and Floney, Floney is us going, yeah, it's like being in the Battle of Hawk. <laughs> yeah, he is just a lovably always yeah. the, the Star Wars guy in the room, and I really like it. Yeah. John listed some of his favorite, quote, mind-blowing setups in the volume. I, I think they cut off the list. I'd love to see the deleted scene where he just does a YouTube video on his favorite volume setups. He mentioned two. Uh, the Jawa camp, which at first when he when he started talking about it, I was like, Oh, okay. Explain, explain more, John. But he says it was a callback to how they did it on New Hope, and you and you saw that great uh, footage we're all familiar with. They have Gary Kurtz lurking into a camera at uh, w- the bottom half of a sand crawler, and I was like, "Oh yeah, well there again, it's the same thing." And I love that. I love. I love, I love that connection again. Yeah, yeah. No, it is powerful to see, and uh, obviously powerful uh, for uh, Rick, who's directing it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You mentioned you mentioned a few times there, and the second one was the uh, the sunrise with Fennec and uh, Toro, uh, you know, uh, uh, which I remember watching that. I think that might have been one of the moments where Grace and I were watching it, kind of going. She asked that, like, is that like their own location? Like, I'm like, I think they, I, they, I, I think, I don't know, maybe that's in that back lot. I don't know, <laughs> and to see it's just all there on the volume. I was like, all right, I got it. I got it. What, what were some of your favorite, uh, quote, mind-blowing setups? Yeah, I think the um, the Sorgan Forest uh, was was amazing to see that in the volume. It was just a brief shot in this episode. But I think some of, like, the vistas make sense to me. Like, especially, like, in the very first episode when he is walking away after making his first uh, capture. And you see that big ice extension. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a digital extension. Looks great. But that's what it is. Um, but then you get into like some of the more things that could be shot in the real world, like the desert or in particular, this forest, that's a little bit more of an enclosed space. Mm. And for me, the volume made sense. Like, yeah, you want to project a big sunset. Great. Uh, or, you know, an alien landscape that doesn't exist in reality, but something is sort of dark and enclosed as the forest. That was really interesting to me. Uh, and the other one was the lava tunnel. Like, obviously, looking at the lava tunnel, I realized they didn't actually go to a volcano. But I think there's a lot of the shots where there's stuff in the foreground and then there's a big vista. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the lava tunnel, like they talked about in this episode, is this real traveling down it uh, and, and even to the point of getting motion sickness, potentially, that was the one that was like, oh, wow, this can be used in lots of different ways than just there's, you know, a box in the foreground, but the background space. Yeah. Yeah. No, the lava one uh, is definitely mine. I keep making the jokes about Herzog's office, uh, the, uh, the <laughs> office, but yeah, the lava one, because again, I could have guessed it. And while watching it was both into the story beat and the emotions of the story, we're going to come back to that, but I would have been like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It seems like to be that that, that was on the volume, but to see it, to really see it in, in action behind the scenes, I just went like, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's the stuff. And you're right about the sunsets. Uh, the forest kind of blew my mind too. Um, I think the potential, I think this is a, one of those, uh, the, some of the dog fights in space didn't work for me on some level. And this might be where they can start to Im- improve it. But cockpit acting is a tradition in Star Wars, right? <laughs> uh, we go to Solo and what you were able to do to see how 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 uh, they could go forward how they could really kind of improve dogfights going forward and and the acting inside ships uh it's basically it's just it's this ride <laughs> it's this, it's a ride at, at universal studios that i was really like all right i like these setups i like it and i want to see how they can improve just the look of the ships and that's a minor minor nitpick on my my part but to to, to see and they, we saw a little bit of like even episode one of Filoni sitting there with the you know an iPad or whatever a monitor and just on a microphone going and bank left and bank right <laughs> to see it where they have the cockpit and then they have the back part of the Razor Crest it's like wow okay yeah I'm on board for what you can do with that down the line 
Yeah, yeah, and how much more real it can be if actors are able to see uh, mm-hmm. jumping to hyperspace for the first time. Uh, like we've talked a lot about that moment in Solo, but also like, hey, yeah, really get into that sort of ride stuff if there's another ship flying straight at you and you can just see that and feel that is, you know, going to bring a lot more uh, reality to the cockpit acting, which is a staple of Star Wars. And we notice as fans, we notice when someone is a great cockpit actor, uh, yeah. obviously Tally Lintra, perhaps mm-hmm. the best uh, cockpit actor of all time. <laughs> Bombers keep that tight formation. Hal Hickel mentioned that the volume allowed for all parts of the production to work in a more traditional way. And, and this is something that I'll start from a personal thing. This has affected my view on this tech uh, because, and this is uh, a lot of things we've already discussed in this episode, but it feels to me more like a growth and extension of what came before uh, set designers, uh, you know, uh, lighting, gaffers, best boys, all those kind of things. Some of those jobs might change, but it allows for everyone's skills to be used in challenge, which I love because some of the stuff, when I would hear George talk about it years ago and see some of the stuff or read some of the magazines on the shooting or, you know, seeing tomorrow Morrison and his Django with a umbrella in the rain on a complete, you know, blue screen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would, uh, I was there for it. I get it. I, I respect George did then. And I do now, but there was a part of me as someone again, who loves the idea of like, let's travel to Tunisia to shoot, uh, a little bummed, a little bummed about, I love seeing, you know, again, the Phantom Menace has a lot of practical stuff, you know, but I love seeing, shots of the real Falcon, uh, in, in, uh, force awakens or solo and all that kind of stuff. And, and I always, it's selfish. I just don't want to lose it. And I'm not even w- those people with those jobs, but I think <laughs> it's part of the magic of, of making movies, man, it's part of what pulls people into the business from all sides. I've known set painters. I've known those makeup artists. I've known all those people, uh, in, in town for all these years and to see, and, and it struck grace too, of just to see like, wow, it's, it's it's all of it. It's just we're moving forward, and you're you're gonna again. They had the back lot until they can figure out the in, in, inside explosions. They have all stuff. Uh, Rise of Skywalker still win, and and I think the next Star Wars movie is is going to go to some exotic land and shoot. You know, I don't think that's going away, but I am someone who could fear a little change, and that's Sith like, and I don't want to, and, and <laughs> let go, and but to know that. No, this is just a a growth of what came before in a new and exciting way. That absolutely affected me. I don't know if it hit you as as hard, but I was like, I love it. I love that there's a real rock being wheeled in. Yeah, yeah. And when Filoni was talking about like, hey, we can see right then and right there if there's, maybe it was Filoni, maybe it was Hal Hickel, like we can go touch up that rock if we have to and everybody gets to see that. And the same thing with the lighting design and the costumes. And for me, what I heard that excited me is imagining people where the pain in the ass part of their job might be reduced and you're just on to what do you actually do? Because, right, if you're a lighting designer or a set designer, you're trying to make sure that your piece looks beautiful and fits in with the whole. And in different processes where it's really only the director or certain like higher level people who can truly see and imagine the whole, Mm -hmm. uh, everything becomes about a different kind of communication, right? But if everybody is standing on the volume together Mm -hmm. and everybody is seeing everything at the same time, uh, I would imagine that that is just a great reduction in um, kind of frustrating parts of communication. Mm. And it can just be about, if my job is to make the rock, not the actor the rock, but maybe the rock, uh, the fake space rock, look as cool as possible, I get to just focus on that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I loved it, man. I loved it. I love, uh, it made me excited. It made me excited. I want to, I want to go to the volume. How much, how much for a tour? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when, uh, the theme parks are open back up, I'm sure there's going to be <laughs> some mini volumes. Uh, you're talking, you're talking about this immersion, Joseph, and this is kind of where they went to, uh, next to, to, to kind of wrap up the show there. They, Gian, uh, Carlo Esposito and Carl Weathers in particular talked about the power of seeing what has actually happened. And once again, Carl Weathers and Esposito had some great stuff too, by the way, but Carl Weathers comes in here. Just, I love this guy. And he just, he called it liberating. 
Talked about every actor in a scene not having to imagine what was there. They all can see it. He's the joke about, I just didn't want to fall in the lava. <laughs> and I go back to, you know, you and I are breaking down uh, Attack of the Clones on the main show this week. And in watching, rewatching that film this weekend, just seeing some of those moments that Natalie Portman has talked about of like, I don't know what I was doing. Um, hearing some of the stories, and this is, you know, a small snippet of what probably actually happened, but to hear Ian, Sir Ian McKellum McKellen crying and being frustrated uh, with the process on the Hobbit movies as compared to what was going on with the Lord of the Rings movies with Peter Jackson, you know, just, you know, watching Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor stare at different eyeballs on Jar Jar Binks and, and the Phantom Menace. It's just, you're of the time there and you're being groundbreaking there. So you're going to have things that are, you need to improve. That's even what's going to happen with this stuff. But I, I just, I loved it because to me, Joseph, this, this builds that connection with the audience and the content. We are all there because we are experiencing it as they are. It just 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 makes for stronger content to me and, and that connection. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think, you know, with a great director who's really communicating, you can overcome some of those uh, CGI challenges. There are some great CGI movies and all that. But this uh, volume thing, to hear uh, Gina Carano and Carl Weathers, their main reaction to the lava tunnel is how to process their emotions about its reality. Mm. That means they're going to bring that in to the actual performance, right? Uh, The greatest actor in the world can give a great performance. I think it's one of the reasons that Ewan McGregor is so highly complimented for his performance in the prequels is even though he has talked about struggling with the green screen, he found a way uh, and, and he comes off real and that he's in his environment but the volume to not have to have the actors do that work and have to have them just be able to be affected by the space i think that's the biggest thing it's not like oh now acting is easier they are affected by the space emotionally uh because i think there's a difference between hey you're playing a scene and it's you know you're really in a dark alley or you're playing the scene and it's it's a hopeful thing and you're really on a beach and the sun is really on your skin you feel different. And to for them to feel like, I was actually afraid of falling out of the boat into the lava means that they are affected by their physical circumstance and the mood of the space, right? That it just yeah. seeps into their performance. And, you know, you are all going to look at the Acclay and know what the Acclay is <laughs> when it's chased you. Um, but like you said, this does not make the process of acting easier. I just think it just really adds so many more possibilities to what you can get out of the performances on set. And that was exciting. That does go back to my days of wanting to be on location and pointing off into the sunset, trying to give an actor advice, um, which again, directing, it's about one half percent of what it actually is. <laughs> Did you take a, a pointing class when you were in school? Of like, here's how to, here's how to point. I just, it is a lot of the behind the scenes of it, directors it, of like, look at them, look at them pointing at something. They're pointing. They're, they're talking about the motion and the spaceship that's coming in. Yeah, I just, uh, and I would do that. We'd be on set. I just like in some high school videos of me, just like, ah, oh, this is directing, right? Uh, let's. Uh, it just uh, it's coming in from the north. What is? I don't know. Just go. <laughs> Put uh, my sandwich over there. Yeah, and then and then you get to college and like, all right, here's a here's a light meter. I'm like, why do I have this? Um, I want to point. So, uh, but George Lucas, just uh, his stories, the world he created inspired me back then as a kid. So it makes uh, makes sense, especially when uh, Bryce Dallas Howard kind of closes out the show with what they called George's Garage. She talked about George Lucas 20 years ago, you know, which again, she very well uh, is probably witness to <laughs> as we mm-hmm. her life. Um, she talked about. Uh, uh, you know, and, and Kathleen Kennedy uh, does uh, talks about this too, but she, Bryce Dallas Howard talked about George imagining this, talking about this uh, virtual reality and, and how uh, here she is walking onto what feels like George's garage because he said, we, you're all going to, we're going to make these movies in garages. Kathy Kennedy then talked about George coming very close, very close to building something like this on the Skywalker Ranch grounds. They talked about down the hill, there was going to be the, a warehouse down there. We could do it. So I just feel free to talk about anything in this uh, ramble, Joseph. But I, again, going to this, how does it feel, make you feel as a Star Wars fan? I just was, again, real proud and, and real happy to be a fan of Star Wars. And George Lucas, for all of his occasional grumpiness and flannel shirts and faster, more intense, to, to go that 
it's all synced synced up, and he had a vision for what could be. Got so close, and that's an inter- that's an interesting thing. If he unlocks this in two thousand nine or ten, what do we got? I don't know. Um, it just it again. I was moved by a lot of this tech talk in this episode. What do you feel about George's garage? Yeah, I mean, just calling it George's garage, uh, having this section introduced by Bryce uh, Dallas Howard, who obviously does have uh, somewhat of a, a personal connection and relationship to him, really opens it up. Uh, I really like that Kathleen Kennedy is so uh, vocally in all these episodes championing George Lucas and saying, like, yes, he was he was always. 10 years ahead of where he wanted to be. And that connects to, you know, Lucas uh, having both successes and sometimes stumbles, but being this kind of kid at heart who dreams of seeing these exotic, uh, exciting things uh, on screen and wants to find a way to happen. And it almost, to me, we're going to talk about Attack of the Clones on the main show this week, as you said, but yeah, to me in Attack of the Clones, there's some of the tech that doesn't quite work. Um, Honestly, Uncanny Valley Tarkin doesn't quite work for me in Rogue One, but in all of them, there's this spirit of, God, I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere, and I want to try to get there. Um, in the idea that maybe the volume is George's garage and one of those tipping points where we've got to something new just celebrates that spirit of the, you know, sometimes successful, sometimes frustrated dreamer. Yeah. So I think that that was my big um, emotional reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Uh and then one other uh, big mm. thing for me was that all of these different pieces of technology had to come together. And the video game stuff was cool, but the video game stuff also really affected me because I, I, I've had bad experiences in life where I have been affected by different um, groups of people or different ideas kind of self-isolating uh, themselves, kind of a siloing of this is the way we do this kind of comedy. And that doesn't have any reaction interaction with the way we do this kind of theater, uh, all, all sorts of different kinds of uh, examples of that in my life where people have kind of said, we're over here doing our thing and we get so involved in that world. The fact that one of the great breakthroughs in movie and television making was somebody else just looking over and going like, Oh yeah, video games, those things that are supposed to rot your mind that we don't really respect as a culture. Oh, thanks for that technology. That's what we were looking for. Yeah. The fact that it is that spirit of uh, not just innovation, but working together and uh, seeing paths, you know, unlearning what you have learned of like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't just have to be about how do we project one still image? Maybe the whole world exists and you can turn around in it the way you do in a video game. And maybe that's what we need. Mm. I love that. Uh, Reaching across, reaching across, looking out and, and, and uh, look, I'm someone who, I sometimes am hindered by this is, eh, this is the way I do it. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> hindered by it. And, and I've, I've had to ad- address that in my old job and I have to dr- address it with tech now and how I do things now. And it, it's exciting to see it on that level. I, I like that you brought that up. Uh, I love also too, that you brought up there. Was, I, I just, I don't know. There was something really interesting and, and sincere and Kathy Kennedy's voice when she was like, George, George was always 10 years ahead because she lived it. She'd been, she's been there. She's seen yeah. it. And I don't know. I like that a lot. It just was a little tiny moment. I love that. Yeah. But it was powerful. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, I wish maybe there is, cause we've seen all these shots of George on the set, right? I wonder if they documented the first time. Cause I'm, he'd heard about it. He clearly thought about it and was like, Eh, let me go down and see what's going on. His son, Jet, worked on uh, the Mando, kind of low-key. He's a PA, I, I believe he was, uh, kind of on that production side. I want the first moment that George walks into George's garage. <laughs> and I'm sure it's low-key. I'm sure he doesn't make a move. But I just want to, does his heart flutter? Does he shed a tear of joy? Or just go, yeah, 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 this makes sense. I, I want yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's just kind of so fascinating uh, about this this human being uh, who dreamed all this stuff is that he's low key, right? I don't. Yeah. Uh, he's got that. He's just got that Starbucks cup. See that yeah. Starbucks cup in his hand? Like, I bet yeah. they spelled his name wrong on it somehow because there's something that's it's so fascinating. He's clearly a dreamer who wants to see these exotic worlds and these new adventures, but he conducts himself in such a just traditional pedestrian i'm i'm just a guy from northern california way yeah uh so to see him walk into it and go oh cool you did it awesome 
Yeah, I tried to do this. Yeah, I ran into some problems. Uh, anyway, great job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it made me think, you know, um, there was that uh, Twitter thing going around a couple weeks ago of, you know, what's your most mundane celebrity interaction or sighting or whatever. And, and I saw someone had tweeted out, hey, it's not mine, but I just love this picture of George in a food court because his wife was at a convention and <laughs> he was at the same time just getting like a plate of Sbarro's. And I, I, I had seen it before, but I just had focused on it. I was like, I love this man. For all, for everything, I just all the grand things he's done. But I love that he's in his flannel, eating some kind of mall lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) Loved everything it represented, and I think you're right. And and I thought about again. You you and I are in the same uh, same mind era. I saw that Starbucks cup, and I'm just laughing because yeah, it's coffee at Starbucks. Hey, Daenerys Targaryen has a coffee cup. uh, We found (laughs) out, but for George to be like, no, I just have a, I just have a, a. Vente, Pike. Yeah. Thanks. And I, I, yeah, I almost think he doesn't know Venti. I think he's, uh, I could be totally wrong. I think he's uh, like, I can sometimes get grumpy at the, uh, at the hotel when I'm at a convention, it's early in the morning and I just spaced and I can't remember which one is with. And I just, I know, I'm sorry, but can I have a medium coffee? Whatever that means to you. I'm sorry. I know, but. <laughs> love it. I love it. George Lucas, he's just like us people. Uh, we're uh, about done here, uh, and uh, this is uh, this is a great episode. I I, 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 I struggled to kind of put together the notes for this because there were so many things. Just I love that they were over my head, but I love the emotional core stuff. But uh, great stuff in this episode, Joseph. Appreciate your insights here. Uh, any final thoughts on what we learned here? The tech, anything we missed? Yeah, uh, I think um, my only other thing is I loved how pumped Giancarlo Esposito was. Like, you know, we're getting these kind of drops of wisdom and awe and camaraderie between a lot of the other actors and creators, but it feels like they just shot his scene with that super cool practical Darksaber and then did that interview immediately afterwards. And he's like, I can stand on my TIE fighter. (laughs) So into it. And it's, it's so great consistently. I know, you know, they're editing it. And if somebody was real negative, probably wouldn't make the, uh, the cut, but it's so great to see what, what feels to me is such sincere enthusiasm, uh, Mm -hmm. from so many of these people who feel like that, that was like a kid who just got to play with his action figures from Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. I, yeah. I love it because he's in costume. He's there. He's on board. Yeah, I loved it. I love that good stuff. And, and you know, VR stuff, it blows my mind. Uh, it meant that doing that, um, the, the, the VR experience, the Star Wars thing, just like how quickly you kind of adjust and then you're in it and you think those stormtroopers are shooting at you. I can only imagine now you get to do that on, on, on film or, you know, digital cameras, whatever you want to say. Beautiful. Loved it. And I really loved the joy. There was a lot of joy for this technology in this episode absolutely i'm very excited to see what the last four episodes are because i don't think they have pre-announced what the topics are and i love it i love i love the uh mystery i've been watching these a little bit later so i see some of the um, uh tweets and stuff go out and i'm like oh that's what we got this week so uh, I love that. I, I don't know. Do, um, I we keep joking about one completely uh, dedicated to Warner Herzog, but I, the the child would make some sense, right? That's the other big technological advancement in this uh, series. Yeah, I will go into uh, the volume and, and flip uh, some real tables if they do not have an episode on the child. They're going to have an episode of the child. Um, yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. You. And then it'll be interesting. You know, you could break it down: design, writing, music, full Werner Herzog episode. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what else they highlight. We will uh, be here to break it down regardless. We love doing this. We love you guys listening and following along. If you want to join the conversation or share just some of the uh, insights and feelings you had uh, of uh, the technology and the volume, you can reach out on Twitter. Follow us at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page, our Instagram page. We are on YouTube as well. Uh, Show and Tell uh, Episode 5 was released this past weekend. we got a new In Memoriam on the way this coming weekend if you're listening at the time of the release of this episode. And uh, also, uh, you can go to tpublic.com for merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Force Center has a Patreon page, and your support makes cool things happen, like the new music from Tony Thaxton on Star Wars Ranked that uh, debuted last week. Go to patreon.com slash Force Center to support there. And as always, if you want an audiobook on us, go to audibletrial.com slash Force Center and try an audiobook on us. And don't forget, we do our own things too. Even things outside of Star Wars. Joseph, you got anything going on? 
Uh, yeah. Get, uh, no, actually, I was going to say a thing, uh, <laughs> but I uh, can't talk about it. Um, anyway, uh, I do have some stuff coming up, and you will be able to hear all about it if you follow me on old Twitter and Instagram, at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all sorts of other adventures. And I'm trying to get better about remembering to plug the Adult Swim show uh, that I've done some writing for. That is called Tigtone. The first season is up on Adult Swim. Just go to adultswim.com slash Tigtone, and season two coming in the fall. Oh, yeah, do that. Check out Joseph's episode with the great Fred Willard featured in it there. Uh, you can go to catnapsock.com for information on all the things I do. Got an appearance this weekend coming up, and now looks like it's happening. Uh, Mainframe Comic Con, doing a virtual Comic Con. I'll be hosting a 30-minute Q&A with Kevin Shinnick, the author of uh, the Force Collector uh, uh, book that just came out. Um, just uh, That is being uh, uh, confirmed even as we record. So <laughs> I'm saying more Information forthcoming. Uh, again, go to KenNapsack.com or just follow me at KenNapsack. That's it for this week. We have taken a deep dive into the volume and we found a lot of joy there. We'll see you next time here on the Mandalorian Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.